Welcome to Season 5, Episode 10 of the Zebra Before and After Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Ball. I feel like when we think about farmhouse, and I even think back to our, you know, grandparents' farmhouse, it always was cozy. You didn't have to have a lot of money. Um, You didn't have to have a big fancy house. That farmhouse, it was always warm and it was cozy. So I think this specific piece that um, we won the award for has all of those types of characteristics. Amanda and Jen with Vengeance Sisters won Best Farmhouse in the 2022 Zebra Golden Brush Awards. And today, Amanda discusses their winning piece, and we chat about some distinctives of the farmhouse style. Robin with Remade by Robin shares her tips on painting fabric. Our question of the week, what is your favorite refinished piece and why, will be answered by our friends Anastasia with Shab Rad, Karen with Designs by Karen, Donna with This Old Vintage, and Haley and Derek with Halverson Home Decor. Stay with us, friends. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Do you enjoy the Zebra Before and After podcast? If so, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you've been keeping track of our winner's interviews from the 2022 Zebra Golden Brush Awards, you'll know we have a few more interviews to showcase. Today, we are highlighting the best farmhouse category winners, Jen and Amanda with Vintage Sisters. Unfortunately, Jen wasn't able to join, but it did work out for Amanda to sit down with us and chat about their piece and share her insights into what makes a farmhouse piece farmhouse. Enjoy. Hi, Amanda. Welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) Hello, good to be back. Where's your sidekick? You know what? Our schedules have just been really busy lately. We just, we did a really big um, spring market this past weekend. And, um, and so we've been really busy with that. Jen still works full time. So we just couldn't make it work today, unfortunately. So I thought, I said, you know what? I'll just do the farmhouse chat today. Um, That's not a big deal, but it does feel weird. It feels weird not having her here and we bounce um, off of each other so much and we interrupt each other a lot I know and so (laughs) it's yeah it's strange having her here today I don't like it (laughs) I know I can imagine well we we certainly miss Jen but you know if you get really prideful all you gotta do is say look I did this one totally myself Jen had nothing to do with this piece at all (laughs) (laughs) we did chat last night about um, you know some things to talk about today so she definitely um, was still involved, but yeah, I am solo today. <laughs> All right. Well, you know me. I've got to ask you because you're you're pretty north. So are you guys mm-hmm. seeing glimpses of spring in Saskatchewan? Oh my goodness! It has. We had a winter storm this past weekend, um, and by winter storm, I mean. It was so awful. Our highways were closed. Um, it, it was, you know, lots of snow again, lots of wind. So that was, yeah. that was frustrating. And especially too, because we were preparing for our market. And so, um, at least we didn't have to travel outside of the city, but just still traveling within the city and setting.
setting up during a storm was not ideal. So we are now finally today is very nice. The sun is shining. And at least when you have those late spring storms, you know that the snow is going to melt quickly. So yes, I think we are finally on our way to spring. I don't, I see the odd little bits of green popping up in my backyard Mm -hmm. for my, my perennials. But it's very discouraging. I was just saying to someone this morning, I feel very behind in my spring, um, you know, the yard cleanup, the, 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 the prep for your planting, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it has not been a nice spring. It has been a very long winter and very cold and wintry spring. Yeah, I hate that for you guys. I guess to some degree you kind of <laughs> expect it. But and another thing too is because we work in our shop so it's I, I i'm tired of having to heat my shop right like this is yeah. um you know you have to heat it um i usually get up in the morning turn it on and try and get it heated for the day um so yeah like that gets tiring to actually have to heat your workspace i want to be able to open the garage doors and and enjoy the nice uh um fresh air so we're getting there we're getting there slowly. It, it does help to know that, you know, it's sort of like uh, when you have a rough week and it's Thursday or Friday and you're like, well, the weekend's coming. It's really close. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. How about you? What is spring like for you? Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's funny because you were talking about preparing for spring in the yard. I mean, it came so early for us. I mean, it, it seems like. You know, I don't chart it or anything, but I'm sure a lot of people are surprised that I don't chart as much as I talk about the weather. But, you know, your family <laughs> and friends and stuff, you've, you've talked about like, isn't isn't this early? I mean, we're not complaining, but isn't this early? Yeah. Because we did we didn't get one snow this year. I mean, oh. maybe a snowflake, but we got absolutely no accumulation. Mm-hmm. So there was a time probably in January and February where everybody was like, come on, we got to get at least one big snow. But then when March came Everybody who said, let's get at least one big snow was saying it's too late for it now. We just want spring because the the daffodils were coming out. Mm -hmm. And that's really what happened because really late February and definitely into March, it was warming up and you're seeing daffodils. You're seeing things, trees budding out. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it, it was really nice. And in fact, last week was like 70s, maybe high 70s, lower 80s, Fahrenheit, sunshine, blue sky, one day after the other. Mm-hmm. And then right now, um, this will make you feel a little bit better, just slightly. <laughs> it, it's it's gray <laughs> and it's cooler. It's like we're in a little yeah. bit of a cool snap now, not enough to, not, not below freezing, so we don't have to worry about the um, vegetation that's coming out, but uh, we should be fine. But anyway, yeah, you guys are close. I mean, I do hate that for you. I mean, I, I hate that uh, we're down here enjoying the wonderful spring weather and you guys are like wearing sweaters <laughs> and hunkered oh, down yeah. by it's your stoves like- and heaters. Plus 10 degrees Celsius, I think, is our high today. And the wind is still very cold, right? Like, we, mm. it's windy here, and, and the wind is still quite cold. So Yeah, you're getting there. Well, so you and Jen won the Best of Farmhouse category in the 2022 <laughs> Zebra Bone Brush Awards. Congratulations. I mean, you guys Thank have you. done so well. Uh, you've won several, a couple times you won a Best of Staging. And, mm-hmm. uh, and this, this year, of course, best, best of farmhouse. Uh, I'm eager to talk about this particular piece. I've yes. seen it before. 
and it was incredibly rough. <laughs> I mean, it was so rough when it got dropped off. <laughs> we talk about like saving things from the landfill. I mean, I know this one had like you could have you could have taken a spray paint a can and wrote landfill. On it. I know <laughs> because you know I mean it was rough. You got to tell us like. Like, so this wasn't a, this, this was, was this a commission piece? I think I remember seeing yes. somewhere. It was a client owned piece. She basically knew us through, you know, like a mutual acquaintance and reached out. And she actually hadn't really even seen any of our work because she's not on social media, but just a family friend had recommended us. And so I can't even remember initially the piece, the pictures that she sent me on like you know over messenger um but i do remember when i got it dropped off thinking oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) um it was her grandmother's piece and and she didn't have a lot of history about it just that it was her grandmother's and her grandma like in their farmhouse you know that sort of thing but as far as where it had been sitting the last 5 10 20 years i'm not sure but it couldn't have been anywhere good right most likely a garage a shed a barn i have no idea it was so filthy and in norm- normally in cases like this because this was july it was like um nice and hot and sunny i would take that out onto my driveway i would hose it down and then i would just let it just bake in the sun and dry nice but it i think that week it was like rain all week and i couldn't do that and so I ended up having to just wash it all, scrub it down by hand. And then what I started to do is I basically started to take it apart as much as I could and get it down to the frame of the piece, essentially. So that mirror is taken apart and those old mirrors are so, so heavy, right? And same thing, like it was actually in really good condition. So we wanted to make sure we took really good care of it and it didn't crack because I think we've all had those situations where we've bust a mirror over um, over the time that we've been refinishing. So that was so heavy. Take that apart. I remember taking, I took the top off. I The doors were all broken. So even the one on the right-hand side in the before picture is still actually on the, the buffet, but it was mm-hmm. still, it was cracked. So all of that had to be taken apart and essentially pieced back together like a puzzle. And then a good wash, a really good sanding, and then start the the refinishing or like, you know, the actual finish on it. The one thing I thought was really cool about this, the bottom drawer, I don't have a picture of it in my before um, pictures. It was actually the bottom of that drawer was made out of tongue and groove boards. So it was really cool. I had not seen that before in a piece. So whether that was the original or if that just needed to be fixed and somebody had replaced it with that. Um, but it was it was just a really cool old feature, you could tell. And on the back of this piece, there was um, writing all over it. And, and it looked like pencil and I tried not. I didn't sand it. I didn't do anything because I wanted to leave it intact. And it was almost like they used it as a chalkboard for some like if they were playing a game or teaching it, it wasn't measurements of that buffet like you find a lot of the times on old pieces it was I don't know what it was used for but the whole back had writing all over it and it was actually quite cool when you say the back are you talking about the back back not the, the inside back of- that you would not see yeah, yeah that's up against the wall um it's funny yeah it was like 
it was used as a game sheet or or teaching math. I don't know what it was. Just there was writing, there was math all over it. There was numbers. It was it was it was quite funny, right? Because who knows what they used it for? But so I tried to keep that um, also intact. And then basically for this piece, I refinished it. Um, it was an experiment, essentially. I had not really experienced experimented a lot with paint washes which now are very popular and we do it a lot. Um, but I hadn't really done it yet on a large piece, maybe on just the odd table or like on the top. So basically I just sanded this down to bare wood and then I did a fusion Algonquin paint wash on it first and just kind of evened out all of the, uh, the wood as you know, it was, it was quite even, um, to begin with, but, and then I did a stain over top of that. So then I thought, I, I need just a little bit more warmth in this. And so then I ordered, um, I applied a cappuccino stain over top. And then that's what really gave it that nice warmth. And actually, another thing, too, is on these doors, when you're looking at the before, those appliques are just, they were just crumbling. They were broken. Um, and I said to my client, there's no way for me to repair this. We're not going to be able to find a replica of these so you need to decide whether you just leave it as is or we can remove those appliques also and then it just is a, a flat panel on the door which it would be you know perfectly fine and she chose to just leave it completely as is so when you look at that you can tell like especially on the right side there's just like little tiny pieces of that applique just left in place as is and actually i think it turned out pretty cool i think that is i think that is really really cool to do that because yeah obviously you see it's an old piece and i was going to say even adding to that the cracks in the in the covered pan doors yes i love those i know i just think that's so unique and i think it just screams history it screams vintage it's been around a long time it was it's been in a home or two and that's that's what makes it unique. I agree. And and that was her feeling as well, right? She just kind of wanted it left completely as as original as as possible for it, this piece. So having said that too, I I didn't necessarily go crazy with my sanding to make sure every scratch or dent was removed, right? Because all of those um, imperfections just add to the character and the quality of the piece, in my opinion. And what was really cool actually on that bottom drawer as well, now I can see in my pictures is the front of the that drawer was actually nailed. Um, so you can see all those nails um, mm-hmm. at the front of that drawer as well, too. So there was just so much character. There was just so much going on with this piece. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and so then after, yes, I did the paint wash, I did the stain. And then I didn't poly this piece because I just didn't want to add like a, that thick coat of poly to it. I just wanted it to really look authentic. And so... This the stain and finishing oil has a bit of a top coat in it, so that left a really nice finish. And then just a clear wax was put over top, so it just just really I don't know kept that that wood looking really natural. And and then going forward too, I I feel like in pieces like this, if if you do get scratches on it again, or if you do do you get a dent, it's not a big deal. It just continues to add to to the the look that you're going for, in my opinion, right? So I think. 
I think that's pretty much it. Oh, then I put new hardware on it, but obviously new hardware that looks older um, that I thought worked well with the wood tones. And then it was lots of fun to stage this piece because I, I had lots of antique crocs in my house. So staging it was, um, you know, just as fun. And to be honest, I, I was, um, I was torn when we, when for this, uh, contest, I was torn to whether or not I should put this in the staging category or the farmhouse category, because I just love staging this one so much. So, yeah, no, I understand. I understand that. <laughs> you know, did she, did you show her a picture of this or did you just take the, the piece to her? I mean, does she, has she oh, seen no. it with the staging? I only show my clients before they come, um, my, like the final picture and that's what they get, um, before they come. So yeah, she was very, they were very happy with it. She didn't, she didn't say, how about, can I buy those, uh, oh. antiques on the <laughs> No, she didn't. <laughs> Jen and I are usually quite, um, what's the word? <laughs> I don't know. We don't, we don't like to sell our staging props. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there are like collection from our homes, right? That we usually yeah. use to stage. So I don't know. I don't think I could ever part with all my, all my good stuff, but, uh, but yeah, so that that is is how that piece came about, and I just loved it. It's definitely it definitely was a very large uh, project, but worth it, obviously, and definitely one I'm very proud of for sure. How do you? Okay, so a couple questions. So, uh, well, first of all, does 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 your client know that you won the Golden Rush Awards in this category? I haven't told her yet. I was going to, and then I haven't, and then I thought, you know what? I'll wait until we do the podcast, and then I can forward her the link to the podcast, and she can kind of listen to it if she likes, and and go from there. So that was kind of my plan. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm sure she'll enjoy knowing that, uh, you know, an heirloom piece from her family uh, became uh, an award-winning uh, furniture piece in an international event. That's that's very cool. My question is uh, a couple a couple questions. One is you talked about the fusion at Algonquin. How many mm -hmm. coats of that did you do of the Algonquin wash? I did one coat of the Algonquin paint wash, and then one just one coat of the cappuccino stain afterwards and i was okay. i had to do it in small sections because one it was the first time i'd ever done this so i was experimenting and so then especially with the stain i wanted it all to just blend nicely but i also didn't want it to be too dark so i definitely worked in small um, areas where i applied the stain and then removed it shortly mm -hmm. after so it was definitely a little bit more of a tedious process, just more so because it was new to me. So for those maybe that have never tried the paint wash, is there, and this may be, um, this may be something that's a variable from client to, or excuse me, from refinisher to refinisher, but how long, like when you put on the Algonquin, how long before you actually wipe it off? You know what? I It, I, it does depend on the piece. This piece was very old and dried out so i found and i mean i find this for a lot of the antique pieces because they're all usually old and dried out but when i apply the paint wash to it I, you can usually just 
see it absorbing into the wood quite quickly, right? Um, so I do like to let mine sit on. I bet you probably 10 or 15 minutes even. But same thing, you can just, you can watch because you can see if it's absorbing or if it's just sitting on top, right? So then um, I like to make sure it has absorbed a little bit. And then mm-hmm. I go and I remove the excess. Um, and I, I find when you're removing the excess, you need to do... Um, you need to really pay attention and remove it evenly and nice and smoothly. Otherwise, it can be streaky, mm. right? Because you don't, you don't necessarily think that paint wash is going to show up significantly, but it will if you know if you're not removing it, if you're not applying it evenly and removing it um, evenly. I, f- you know, I feel like it can get streaky. So. Um, yeah. There's definitely a little bit of trial and error to that as well. Okay, so the appliques on the drawer fronts. How did you sand that, or how did you, oh, did, you use a, did you use a stripper? What like how did you get it? Okay, so I used a stripper on that first because there's no way I was going to be taking an actual sander to that, right? Um, it was so fragile, so dried out, and and cracking, and so basically. I used a stripper with some steel wool and little brushes and tried to clean that old varnish off as best I could that way. And then I had to hand sand it just little by little um, mm. <laughs> with the finer yeah. um, grit to, to try and, and um, clean it up as best I could. So, yeah, it was definitely... A little more tedious, for sure. That that part definitely took some patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I we I bought a piece. My wife and I bought a piece at an estate sale not too far from where we live. It was a buffet. Looked different than this, but um, it had some uh, wood appliques on the front. Very old, and so I was cleaning it, and you know I, I'm going to tackle this thing. And I still haven't finished it, so there was. <laughs> All of the little appliques were still there until I started like, okay, so I, I, st- I put some stripper on and I got, took steel wool, I cleaned it, but it was still so much uh, stain on there. So mm-hmm. then I thought, you know what? I'm going to go grab the Dremel. So I got the Dremel out mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't remember what I used, but I went and I, was gonna, I thought, I'll get real close to this part of the applique. And of course the applique went flying off into the garage. <laughs> so, I mean, part of it. <laughs> so, I know sometimes they're just yeah they're just so fragile that sometimes even when you're using stripper I find it will even make it crumble even more if that makes sense right because like whatever varnish or is holding it together you've now moved and then it just starts to go bad real fast yeah no that's that's a really good point because you you know you you you, when you get the piece and you touch it and you're like yeah this is pretty on this is this is locked in here yeah Uh, but it's locked in there because of the varnish and all the top coats and stuff so when you start removing that then it can easily come off and, you know, and it's funny, too, because this particular piece, similar to what you've done here, I thought I, I really we'd really like to take it back to uh, its original wood because it was a <laughs> very dark piece and it was even crackling. You know, it had that. Oh, yes. It just so old. It, it was very, very dark. And I, you know, seeing this piece now with some of the missing app- applique, I'm thinking, you know, it's OK uh-huh. that that little piece flew off. That's part of the history, even though it's recent history. You know? <laughs> no, 
no one needs to know that. It's, <laughs> no. well, it's part of your history. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, okay, this is a question for, and I, and I think this is a question a lot of folks would have, especially if you're working with uh, clients. You know, mm-hmm. it's a commission piece. So you get this piece in, and it's in really rough shape, uh, but it's sentimental to the client. It has mm-hmm. special meaning. So your whole goal here is to get this piece back into a place where it can be displayed in their home for many, many more years. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you go about quoting a piece that is this involved? And you don't know. I mean, you could try um, to guesstimate. Yes. And I mean, I think we try to also be just upfront with our, our clients too, saying, okay, this is what our quote is going to be approximately. It might be more if this happens. You know, we've been doing this long enough. We usually have an idea as to what could potentially go wrong or what um, could be more work, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, people will give us the list of what needs fixing on their pieces, but I, a lot of the times people don't even have a clue what needs to be fixed, right? Yeah. So then we will usually say to them, okay, once we take a look at it, um, we'll let you know for sure if more fixing needs to be done, if something needs to be replaced, that sort of thing. So I think if you're very honest with them at the beginning, that your quote could change due to this list of possible scenarios, then that's really, I think, all you can do because... I mean, back in the day, like years ago, we probably had, didn't do that, right? And then you feel at the end, oh, man, I didn't, you know, I didn't get what what I was worth for sure, mm-hmm. right? So you learn over time. You almost need to overestimate or you just need to tell them flat out at the beginning that there, yeah. there could be an extra charge. I did have an idea. Obviously, Jen and I have done a lot of buffets over the years, so we do kind of have a ballpark um, price of because we just we know how much time it's going to take us to actually do the sanding and and the finishing right like we you know you you figure out how quick you are um, mm-hmm. at certain things so all of those factors play into it for sure okay well that's very very helpful and I guess the big thing as you just said is just being really open with the with the client and up front with them on the front end so that you don't make mm-hmm. any promises that uh, you yes. likely can't um, make, <laughs> you know, it's, it's easy. Well, then that's the thing. And, and like I said, a lot of the times they don't really have a clue that, you know, the drawers are all loose and need to be glued and clamped and reinforced. Do you know what I mean? Like they might see something more, um, you know, black, like looking at the front of the buffet. Okay. They see a crack in the door, but, um, so yeah, if you, you, and you give them the list of these are all the potential issues and, and then at least they're, then they can understand it better as well. Right. right? And I, and I think too, what also is very helpful when you're refinishing something, especially for custom is we do like to share as much of the process in our stories as possible because people enjoy watching it, but it is also good for the client to be able to see what you're doing and what, what is involved in the entire process. So that's also very helpful. And so she wasn't on social media. So I just sent her videos the whole time while I was working Mm -hmm. on it so that she could get an idea as to how things were going. So that's what we will usually do when someone isn't on social media. 
Gosh, that's a great idea because it, it is true. Yeah, I mean, when you see, and that's what's cool about social media, you see people tackling certain aspects of refinishing. And especially if you're not familiar with refinishing or you don't do it, you look at it and you yeah. go, oh my gosh, that takes a lot of work. Yeah, and they have no clue why, you know, the hinges aren't working or why, why something, right? Like, it's just, there's just so many different things right. that need to be fixed and cleaned on pieces. Um, so the more that they know, I feel like the more than they that they appreciate what's what's being done. And then obviously, the more happy they are and to pay the price that you are yeah. quoting them. Okay, well, Jen, we have a few questions for you as a... Um, an award-winning refinisher, and I know you speak on behalf of uh, Jen. I think I just called you Jen, didn't I? I meant Amanda. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I should just say vintage. Hey, vintage sisters. <laughs> sure, uh, whatever's but, easiest. <laughs> so I have a few questions, uh, and I'm a, I've asked all of the category winners. And so my first one is this for you, and it is what was your biggest refinishing fear early on that you feel like you have now overcome? Um, well, I think in the very beginning, when, when you first start doing this, the fear is, yes, will somebody buy this? Right? Will somebody like what we're doing and like what we have to offer and to sell? And so I think, yeah, initially years ago, that's always the fear is somebody going to even buy that. So I think over the years, you just start to realize that people do like your style and, and that, yeah, maybe, and, and depending on what, you, you know, the style or the color, yeah, it might take a little extra, you know, longer than others to sell. But at the same time, people do seem to be enjoying what we do and enjoying watching the process, buying our pieces. So I was, I'd say that's going to be one of your biggest fears is, is, is it going to be successful? Um, is it going to, are people going to like it? Right. Um, and, and we've been doing this for a few years now and people, it's not going away, right? It's the refinishing is never, I don't think ever going to go away. It's always going to be something, um, that people are going to want to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting one day, uh, a couple generations down where the refinishing pieces of today start wearing out you know and, what they're and, gonna and do they, with them? yeah cool mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like it's like oh this this was a nice piece and it was refinished well it's just you know it's worn because it's been sitting in a dining room for the last 50 years so yeah that's going to be interesting yeah because all these furniture pieces are always going to cycle in and out so refinishing mm -hmm. uh, will be around for a long long time um so here's my next question you guys are accomplished award-winning refinishers what is your one secret to refinishing? And when I say one secret, I don't mean this is your only secret. I just mean it's like, yeah, this 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 particular secret has helped us tremendously over the years. I think Jen and I, and you know, we talk a lot. What, yeah, like, what can you do differently? What can you do to stay, you know, you know, competitive, stay in the game, essentially? And I think at the end of the day, we just, we won't sacrifice our quality for mm. followers, um, you know, or trying to, to reach a certain point on social media. I think we just had decided a long time ago, we have a style. We love it. 
we're good at it. People like it. We're not going to try to do something else that's not us just mm-hmm. to fit in with the trends. Jen and I, I think we are, have always been like this is we don't necessarily follow the trends. We just follow what we like. We don't care, I guess, if other people don't necessarily love it, right? We just, we know, we know what we like and we want something that's um, good quality. So mm-hmm. Jen and I don't, pick stuff that isn't something that we wouldn't be happy to showcase in our house, in our own homes. So we, you know, we have a very specifically curated inventory that we grab from. I guess one thing is really just stay true to your own personal style and personality. Um, That's, that's, that's what we do. And yeah, Yeah. we're not going to be the most successful person on social media, but at the same time, I, that, that stuff just doesn't really what's the word it's not that it's not important to us it's just it's not our main focus and, yeah, it's not and your priority so, no I, and we decided that long time ago because it's hard to keep up with that game and it can drive you crazy and a lot of people are struggling all the time with trying to keep up and it's kind of that fine line of um trying to keep up you you also want to also grow and expand your business too, right? So you do need to change. You do need to adapt to, um, you know, what's somewhat trending, but not, I, I don't know. I'm not, I feel like I'm rambling, but you know, there is that fine line, but at the end of the day, we're not willing to sacrifice our, um, our style, our personalities and what makes us happy to just fit in with what happens to be popular at the time. Yeah, because that's going to keep you in the mode of enjoyment. I mean, you're going to really... Yes, that's very true. You're just doing what you enjoy. And yeah, certainly social media uh, offers a broader customer base too. So it's important, but not to allow the social media to be uh, out on the front. It should be more of the caboose unless you, you know, and this happens to some folks and that is like, they started out refinishing, they got into social media and they started Mm -hmm. loving social media more than refinishing. So they've tried to figure out how to work them both into the mix, which is not wrong. That's just really trying to figure out where your talents are. And they've actually very, very good at social media. Well, and that's the thing, like you can be very successful, right? Uh, It's just, is not something that is our main priority in, 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 yeah, like we just we prefer the sticking to the quality of our pieces and and you know having the you know a great list of clients kind of thing and just more more just locally trying to gain presence, I guess. Yeah. Well, because part of that, I mean, you're, you're also, I mean, obviously you got to make money. You're putting hard work into it. And I think that you're, you're doing what you need to do for two things. One is out of enjoyment because it's a talent you enjoy it. You're having fun. The second thing is that you're able to make money off of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And going back to social media, some of those folks that have, you know, they're not um, non-refinishers. They are refinishers. Many of them are excellent refinishers. They've just found a new avenue or a new venue to make money and also yes. enjoy social media. And yeah. that's that, that's what's I think that's refreshing for people to probably hear because I think there's a lot there's a big push, or it's easy. There's not a push, but it's easy to get caught in the current of social media. So, you know, to hear you guys say, you know what, we do it, but it's not our priority. Our priority is refinishing and selling to local clients. Yeah. We enjoy that, love it. 
That's cool because uh, you don't have to necessarily be an expert at social media and uh, make that your priority. So with mm-hmm. that, I'm going to deviate into this question. And that is, do you have any refinishing goals uh, for 2023 that are different than what you've done or have had in the past? I think more so, like Ed and I have talked to, we we just we want to continue to grow our business locally um, and put ourselves out there more, um, step out of our comfort zone. Um, and, and I know there are a lot of different styles and I know that there are a lot of styles that are really popular for us or popular right now, but it's, it's not something like, like you had mentioned, but we know I were chatting earlier. So MCM style is so popular and maybe if the right piece came along and we felt inspired to refinish it, we would attempt it, but it's, it's, that style just isn't something that inspires us, mm-hmm. right? Um, so then you get to that point of, okay, are you going to just switch over to something because it's trending and you know it probably will sell, but you're not going to get the same sort of enjoyment out of doing it. So yeah, there's that fine line of, okay, we should step out of our comfort zone, um, but at the same time, we just we don't necessarily want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. But you know why? Because you guys own the business. You could do anything you well, want, right? Thing, like <laughs> people still love and appreciate a good classic, solid wood antique piece, yeah. um, and that is what we have the passion for and what we're good at um so i mean as far as refinishing goals i don't know i mean i and that there's there's so many techniques out there too obviously um different techniques that people are doing the grass cloth technique is really popular people love doing that the transfers the stencils um there is a lot to expand on creatively but Jen and I are on the same page. None of that interests us. I think for um, goals for 2023 is to just continue to work on growing locally. And for mm-hmm. us, that is, like I said, we just did a really big spring market here in the city uh, this past weekend. And we want to kind of continue to do things like that. Um, so growing that way and just getting our business out there. So basically growing from what we already have and trying to show more people that we are here and what we have to offer. I'd say that's more about our, that's more of our goals for this year than say, actually something changing something creatively i'm sorry i just can't get out of my head you guys doing the spring market and uh potentially it's snowing out and you just keep in a blizzard (laughs) you just keep looking at the sign (laughs) no yes this is the spring market i'm going to convince myself yeah i know I know. I know. It almost makes you feel like, wait a minute, uh, did we, is this a dream? Did we wake up and, you know, some kind of an oxymoron here, spring market and it's snowing, but yeah. I don't know. It, uh, that's the way it is in a, in a place like uh, northern uh, uh, North America where it's very cold. Yeah. <laughs> 
But anyway, you guys were celebrating, and that's good because the calendar said spring. It just wasn't feeling like it at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to discuss what makes a Peace Farmhouse style and how to achieve it. Hi, my name is Kimberly with RS Home and Design, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zibra. Zipper brushes are my favorite and only brush I use. I love the smooth finish it gives, and the Palm Pro is my favorite. I love the way it fits perfectly in my hands. Thank you, Kimberly, for your kind words about Zebra paintbrushes. We are grateful for every loyal Zebra paintbrush friend. There are so many styles in refinishing, and I would think farmhouse is one of those categories that has been around the longest. Style categories have been around, of course, for years, but within refinishing, I think with chalk paints and milk paints, farmhouse emerged as an incredibly popular style early on, and it still is today. Amanda, we want to learn a bit more about farmhouse style and what makes farmhouse farmhouse. What are the differentiators for you? Well, farmhouse style is obviously um, our favorite style. We describe our style as that modern farmhouse look, right? So you take something that's very, very old, whether it's vintage, antique, and you modernize it for your home. When Jen and I were talking about this, you know, what what is farmhouse to us? It's definitely something that, um, besides the age, that has a lot of character to it. So farmhouse obviously is most likely going to be solid wood, right? They didn't have, uh, you know, press board or even a, like they, there was obviously some veneer, but um, mostly it's, it's going to be a nice solid wood piece. It's going to have scratches it's going to have dents it's going to have a crack and that crack might continue to grow over the years and that's okay because all of those types of imperfections just make that piece even more beautiful Mm -hmm. i feel like when we think about farmhouse and i even think back to our you know grandpa's grandparents farmhouse it always was cozy right so you didn't have to have a lot of money. Um, you didn't have to have a big fancy house. That farmhouse, it was always warm and it was cozy. So I think this specific piece that um, we won the award for has all of those types of um, characteristics. It's it's old, it's, it's worn and, and has lots of markings on it, but I, I tried to keep it with that brown where you still had that warmth and coziness to it. Um, I do think if you, it doesn't have to be solid wood. I think it definitely can still have paint on it. I think a couple years ago, we had one or we were finalists for a green bench. So we painted a beautiful farmhouse green bench. Mm -hmm. So I think you can still have color, but it just then goes to, okay, there should be some distressing on there. There should be some wear and tear to it. Um, You know, and, and most likely all these pieces should be functional. Most likely anything that was in a farmhouse wasn't just there because it looked pretty. There was most likely going to be sort of um, some sort of functional aspect to it. Right. 
I think, like I said, can be color, um, but just that the worn, the distressed old look to it. Yeah. Isn't it funny when you, uh, that what you said doesn't have to be pretty. I mean, because, uh, you know, it's, it's functional. Isn't it funny how what was primarily looked at then as functional wasn't looked at as like, oh, what a beautiful you know, cupboard you have here. I mean, it was like, that's all it was there for was just because it was functional. But those things that were created then that were functional now still are functional today, but yet they're beautiful because of that history and where they came from. That's just so interesting. Right. Like, I mean, I just think too about my grandparents, Um, you know, they were very, you know, they were practical people. So if something was going to be in your home, in your farmhouse, it needed to be useful and functional and Mm -hmm. it needed to serve a purpose. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You covered the basis there because even in our GBA category listing for people, when they're trying to decide what to enter, where, in which category we wrote, uh, we came up with a description of just basically antique, distressed farmhouse vibe. We are at commas there because they don't necessarily have to be distressed, but that's a good way to tell if something, um, you know, is distressed. It it falls more in the farmhouse. Yeah. I mean, I think so too, just, just for the fact that, you know, you can paint a piece with like, you can put new paint on it, but if you, you know, want it to have more of that farmhouse vibe, I think that it's going to look more authentic if there is some distressing or if there's some chippiness, right? Like it just, mm-hmm. it just would makes more sense to me um, than having something um, completely pristine. Would would you say the availability of the farmhouse pieces is readily available? Uh, I know we kind of touched on it in the earlier conversation, but I mean, are you still finding that that you're able to get what you need, uh, or do you feel like that? Uh, the as they say in the south the pickings are slim i think for the most part you know i mean it it is very interesting depending on the area that you live in is kind of determines on what styles like jen and i it's hard in our neighbor in our area to find empire style pieces right like that's just not something that would have originated from here so it's just harder to find certain styles necessarily. Um, so then when you do find them, it is a big deal and it's very exciting. And then her and I usually want to just keep them for ourselves. <laughs> but um, it's, I'd say we still definitely have options for sure. But it's just, you know, if there's very specific styles that we're looking for, it, it can get a little tricky. You just have to be a little bit more persistent with finding them. So you still see a strong demand from customers wanting these farmhouse pieces, meaning, meaning you're, you're fixing them up and they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're buying them. Yes. Like, and I think people too also know our style. People aren't messaging us, asking us if we have an MCM piece, right? When people reach out to us, it's because they, they know what we're selling, they know what we offer, or they have an antique farmhouse style piece that they want us to refinish. So um, I, I do think that the style is definitely still in demand or mm-hmm. still, you know, people still want it for sure. Yeah. And pricing, have you guys had to change? I, I, this really, I'm asking 
this question of you guys, but really this is a general question too for everybody because with inflation as it is and you know a lot of a lot of changes in the economy over the last couple of years, have you been able to keep your pricing consistent? Have you gone up a little bit? Uh, you haven't had to. I'd say we've been able to keep it relatively consistent, but we've definitely not been able to increase. Okay. I would say, right? So it's not. I know we had, ta- we had you had asked us about this. I'm trying to think, maybe on the fall. I can't remember the last time we chatted about this. And I and we had said, you know, we haven't noticed major changes, but maybe in a few months, right? Because um, some of the the painters down in the states, I think, were already saying, you know, noticing some changes. I would say, yeah, like the pieces that we're selling that we refinish and then sell. I feel like we're not necessarily getting what they're worth right now, for sure. Um, But I feel like our custom prices are still staying steady. So, you know, when people understand what we're offering them and how Mm -hmm. their piece is going to look, they are definitely willing to pay the custom prices but for our pieces that we're just painting and trying to sell i feel like they're we're not getting what they're worth how does that happen you guys are are creating these incredible you know pieces you're refinishing refurbishing making them beautiful mm-hmm. and lays chips is able to reduce the size of the bag and double the price how, how does that I work? Know. that is funny that you say that because my kids when i say okay what do you want when well, i'm going for groceries and and my son for sure he's like loves loves his salty snacks is like i want can i get some chips and i said only if they're on sale <laughs> right <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Uh, it was funny because my my daughter. We went into the store the other day, and my my um, youngest was with me, and she saw the little you know the little Frito Lay, and it. I'm telling you now. I know there's uh, you know the pricing is different from Canada, United States, but mm-hmm. from U.S. dollar standpoint, this little bag of Frito Lay was like four dollars and ninety five cents, and it was it was like. A serving size. It wasn't even a big <laughs> bag of uh, Frito Lay, and I was like, oh, "No way!" I mean, that I is know. crazy. I mean, I know. I mean, I know gas prices, fuel, diesel prices, all that's gone up, and so that makes trans. You know, getting you know goods from one place to the next is, is mm-hmm. there's a lot more into it. But I just, I just laugh because here you guys are working really hard, turning out these pieces, and you can't really go up on prices yet. You know. Uh, other folks are able to double their price and and give smaller amounts. Man, it's crazy. I know. Yeah, I know. And and it. I don't know. It's just. Is is it just our area? Is it just the economy right now? I I don't know what I don't know what the actual factors are necessarily, <laughs> but it is a little frustrating. I, I think there's many factors, one of which is we're, you know, I mean, obviously it's a, a piece of furniture versus a, a, a snack. And sometimes people are more spontaneous, impulsive, and we're willing to spend a little more, you know, because they're, they see it, they're hungry and they want it. So, well, yeah, I'll pay for it any five for it. That's so true. <laughs> is there anything else with respect to farmhouse that, um, that you would add to, the process of farmhouse, like, you know, and I'm going to ask this question. I hesitate to ask it because it's kind of a goofy question, but sometimes I'm, I can ask goofy questions. So I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. So when Mm -hmm. you talk about you, cause you, you clearly articulated what makes farmhouse farmhouse. 
Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> is it possible to achieve farmhouse on any style of furniture, or is the idea just because it's antique, just because it has a crack in it, just because it's old, you know, doesn't make it farmhouse necessarily? I mean, because for example, you could take an MCM piece; it could have mm-hmm. a big crack in it. Uh, yeah. It could be, you know, old. But you do. There's certain places you can't cross, right? I mean, you can't make an MCM a farmhouse piece, even if you painted chalk paint or milk paint on it and distressed it. I mean, it, I'm just throwing that out there. Would you? No, I completely agree. I think that would be weird. I think. <laughs> okay. I just that would be like even, a bad dream, right? <laughs> yeah, I just I don't think. I mean, hey, each to their own, right? And and what they like, but I think. I don't see how that would even work, right? It's just two completely different styles, almost two different eras. Yeah, it's funny how you take a, like, you know, the MCM was designed in a different period of time to create a look that was unique to that period of time. And and, and when you try to add a different style to it, like you said, you can do it. You can put it in your own home. I mean, if you like that, but it, it doesn't, it just doesn't, really for the most part work because the the style, the design of it dictates a different treatment. Yes. Okay, good. Well, I I just had to ask that question because I thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Jen, uh, Jen, I'm telling you, you guys really (laughs) messed me up. (laughs) She is clearly missed today. I know. You have to tell her. Well, yeah, please tell her. (laughs) Well, I was going to close this and, and just say that, uh, Amanda, you and Jen do incredible work. I mean, I, that's a given. And uh, you're, you're, from your finishing skills to your staging, we really love seeing every piece you guys post. And they all are quite stunning. So we just want to say congratulations again for your, um, your win and the GBAs for 2022. And for coming on, Thanks. taking the time to come on and discuss the, not only your winning piece, but also give us some insight into Farmhouse. Uh, Mm -hmm. that maybe we didn't already have. So it was fun and we enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for having me. Amanda and Jen can be found on Instagram at Vintage Sisters SK. This week's refinishing tip comes from Robin with Remade by Robin. Hi, everyone. This is Robin from Remade by Robin. Um, I was asked to share a few uh, tips with you today or a tip with you today regarding um, something in the painting world. And I thought I would share with you my tips for painting upholstery. It's just like any other painting project where you want to make sure that that piece is clean. So um, generally, I will vacuum the piece really, really well. If there's any wood on it, I'm going to want to clean that with a good cleaner degreaser. And then I'm going to use my handheld um, shampooer that I have and shampoo the whole piece. Um, After I'm done shampooing, it's still going to be damp, and that's when I want to start painting. And when I start painting, I don't think it necessarily matters in regards to the type of paint or brand of paint that you're going to use. I've used several different kinds over um, my experience of painting upholstery, and they all seem to work really well. But what I'm going to do is use two parts paint to one part liquid fabric softener and then one part water. And again, as long as it's liquid fabric softener, I don't care 
or think that it matters the brand. When adding the fabric softener to the paint, it's going to thicken that paint up quite a bit. So um, if that one part water isn't enough to get the consistency that you're hoping for when you're painting, then add more water. Then I'm going to go ahead and start painting in thin layers on to the fabric. If you need more water, start misting it with your misting bottle or, you know, have that there available for you. And thin layers, just like you would on a piece of wood furniture. And so the first layer is very thin, and then I'm going to let that dry, usually overnight. And then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to sand that with a 220 grit and then remove any dust or debris from it and go in with my second coat and keep repeating these steps until you're pleased with how the piece looks. Um, it's very similar, like I said, to a piece of wood. Um, I think that fabric softener is, is helping so much with the softness and of the paint and the sanding and then keeping the piece damp. That those are all keys, in my view, to um, a successful upholstered piece that is painted. Once it's all done, the painting, I come back in with either a furniture wax or a beeswax or a furniture balm or salve, and then I put that all over the piece to protect it. I hope these tips will help you if you're planning on doing an upholstered piece in the future. And let me know if you have any other questions. You can find me at Remade by Robin. Thanks, Robin. Great directions on painting over fabric. Our question of the week, what is your favorite refinished piece and why is answered by our friends Anastasia with Shab Durad, Karen with Designs by Karen, Donna with This Old Vintage, and Haley and Derek with Halverson Home Decor. Hello, this is Anastasia from Shab to Rad, and my favorite piece of furniture that I've ever refinished is a personal one that I just finished up last week for our summer cottage in Maine. Our cottage is pretty rustic, filled with many antiques. I love the Eastlake style of furniture, usually built around 1880, and searched the internet, local thrift stores, and estate sales for around seven months until I finally came across a beautiful Eastlake dresser with a matching mirror at my local Habitat Restore. The dresser consists of three main drawers, two smaller top drawers, and a beautiful ornate carved wood mirror. The brass and black hardware is very unique and I've never seen anything like it before. I first stripped off the old finish, then made four major repairs to the wood structure which was damaged. I then sanded down to the raw wood and added a caramel paint wash for a natural wood look. Lastly, I top coated the whole piece in satin. Since this piece is heading to Maine and everyone in Maine is obsessed with lobster, I added an adorable red stenciled lobster to the sides of the drawers for a fun surprise when you open them. Most Eastlake dressers back in the day came with marble tops, so I had a piece of stone custom cut for the top middle of the dresser which pulls the whole piece together. I will be driving the dresser up to Maine Memorial Day weekend and I cannot wait to place it in its forever home for my Greek family to enjoy for generations to come. 
Hi, my name is Karen. I'm from Designs by Karen, and my favorite piece that I've ever refinished has to be a vanity that I split into two bedside tables. I enjoyed this one the most because it taught me so much and it pushed me to do something that I wasn't familiar with. I wasn't sure if I would be able to pull it off, but somehow I managed. I learned a lot of new skills. I gained confidence in myself, and now that's actually something that I look for all the time. Those vanities that I can split into bedside bedside tables are always one of my favorite kinds of flips to work on. Hey there, it's Donna from This Old Vintage, and my favorite piece so far has to be the black mid-century buffet I did about six months ago. It came to me completely scratched up, like unnatural scratches across the top, as in somebody had to purposely do it. it. It just couldn't happen. I started to sand it, and hopefully I can show you a pre-picture. If not, you can just go check my account. But I started sanding it, and it it just must have been in the thick um, top coat because it was completely coming smooth. And so, you know, when that happens, it's just things start rolling in your brain, and it's like, oh, okay, all right. And uh, because I was not loving this piece at all, and the top came completely smooth, beautiful veneer grain, and uh, painted everything black, went on Amazon, because they, we didn't have handles with it, so went on Amazon, found the perfect, glamorous, like black and gold handles and little knobs to match them, put it out there for sale. And my neighbor, the next day, ended up buying it. So it's good that it's like kind of close by. But um, and it's usually that's not something um, that I do. I don't do a lot of mid-century pieces. Um, but yeah, that that really has to be my favorite. So uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing what everyone else is. Hi, it's Derek and Haley. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Halverson Home Decor. Our favorite piece we refinished is actually a piece we were just working on this last week. We're waiting on some gold rub and buff to come in the mail to use on some of the existing hardware, but other than that, the piece is done. The piece is a mid-century modern five-drawer tallboy dresser, and it's so unique, which is part of the reason we loved refinishing it. Yeah, we added some tapered legs, and I love how strong we made the base. It's so sturdy, Haley can put all of her weight on it but you can't even notice any of the screw holes that we put into it. I also love the handles in the middle of the three drawers because it looks like a wooden pool stick, so it could go for a man cave vibe. The wood tapered legs really complement that wood pool stick-like hardware. And then we painted the piece in a deep blue color, which is a new color for us, so that was really fun. And then we also did a gold beaded stencil on the top drawer, and we've never done a stencil before either. And that gold ties in with the other hardware that we will be rub and buffing gold. And so I just love how it all ties together, forming a cohesive and unique look. It was such a different style for us, but so fun to design and make. And we had so much fun with it. We'll be revealing the piece next week, so stay tuned. Bye. (laughs) Thanks, Anastasia, Karen, Donna, Haley, and Derek. One of our newer contests continues. It's the Zebra Staging Contest with Jen and Amanda of the Vintage Sisters. All you have to do to enter is post your pieces with the hashtag ZebraStagingMay. 
Jen and Amanda, along with our three winners for April to be announced soon, by the way, will review the hashtag the 1st of June and choose three winners. The winners will be chosen based on the effectiveness of the staging, and this covers the quality of the piece refinished, how the pieces are staged with a particular style of furniture presented, and last but not least, the quality of the photography. The three winners will receive a special framed award, zebra paintbrushes, and appear on a podcast to be interviewed by Jen and Amanda. Also, the three main winners will co-judge with Jen and Amanda for June's staging contest. The Zebra Review category theme for May is Chairs. Our featured judge is Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture. If you have refinished or reupholstered a chair from January 1st through May 31st of 2023, simply use the hashtag ZebraChairs. Jen will pick her five favorites, then the remaining three judges, Katie with Salvage by K. Scott, Katie Cloud with Katie and Company and Home, and Lauren with Portland Road Living will vote out of Jen's selections to choose the three winners. This month's prize sponsors are Melange Paints, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Painting. The three winners will appear on the podcast and be interviewed by Jen. Thanks for joining us each week. We are grateful for each of you. All links to artists will be in this week's show notes. Okay, that's it for this week. Until next time, friends, happy painting. Happy painting.